Cultivated Marketer, Episode 16, Millennial Leadership and Networking with Eric Huey. On this episode of Cultivated Marketer with Eric Huey, we talk turning the preconceived notions of millennials on its head and how one millennial marketer decided to start a podcast to challenge those notions. Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen. And I'm Matt Tidwell. And Matt, today's episode, we're going to be talking with somebody that is an expert in the millennial space, particularly talking about millennial leadership with, with Eric Huey. And it was a really engaging conversation we had with, with Eric and obviously near to dear to my heart. and apropos that we talked about networking in the millennial space mm-hmm. using podcasting. Yes. A fellow podcaster, but I, I you know, also to your point, a, a terrific young marketer, right? And, and uh, you would think this would be a blinding flash of the obvious for us, but I guess we're a little dense, right? It's like we, we spent all this time talking about, you know, tools and, and professional development for young marketers, but, but we, you know, it might make sense to interview one. So we did that. And, and yeah, no, Eric was, was great. And, and what a great example of, of a guy who really is just doing things the right way. And, and just had a wide ranging conversation about everything from his podcast, certainly, which he's done a great job with highly recommend it and covers sort of a myriad of topics, but has some, I went through his guest list. It's really terrific. But then also, you know, other things as well that we've talked about before on the show, personal, you know, the importance of branding and the importance of, of, you know, developing yourself professionally and all that good stuff. So I think it's just perfect addition for us. No question. Yes. So folks, you'll learn a little bit more about the show when we talk with Eric, but it's the Gen Y leaders podcast. And the idea behind the podcast is really cool too, was I think he had been getting a bit frustrated by this notion that you're going to define a whole generation of, you know, millennials as being entitled and lazy. And so that was the impetus for him to create the show and then start to reach out to others that are leaders in his generation to understand why they do what they do. Right. So what a great, great way to network and meet new people and, and be able to learn life lessons as well. So it's a, it's a mentorship opportunity as much as we're kind of kicking off this mentorship series, it was a great mentorship opportunity as a peer, almost a peer networking group vis-a-vis the podcast. Yeah. I mean, we, it's like, right. We hear all the time, you know, the key to a successful podcast is finding your niche and, and really looking for that space out there in the, you know, in the global conversation that you can sort of own. And, and he's really done that in a really terrific way with the conversation about millennials and, and uh, perceptions and myths and, and all of that. But then also to your point, bringing in some just terrific examples of, of some of our younger leaders out there. And yeah, it's a must listen for me. I highly, highly recommend it. He does a great job. Yeah. What was the phrase? There's a certain phrase he uses. We were learning from him as we were going through that. That was, that was the beautiful thing about that conversation is I consider myself a lifelong learner and I forget the phrase he used, but at one point you stopped the conversation. You're like, I need to jot that down. That's a new phrase to me. Brad, I have a legal pad to my set where I have like 10 of those that we've had in these conversations. And so I, I won't bore the listeners or will allow them to, or steal the thunder from Eric there, but yeah, he just he has a great grasp of of 
you know, kind of what what folks that you know need to be thinking about, need to be doing to make sure that their career path is is going the right direction. So, yeah, he's terrific. And speaking of great teachers, and probably to bookend this conversation, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about, extremely timely to our conversation right now, is recently we lost a notable Kansas City marketing giant just within the last couple of weeks. And w- one in which was a, a great teacher and role model to you, I know, was Howie Bosberg. Yeah. And I wanted to maybe take a few moments and maybe share a few things that you learned in your time with with Howie and and maybe maybe some other things. I saw a great tweet from you. You were out having cocktails, it looked like, with others to reminisce and and share memories of Howie, maybe some things that stood out to you. Yeah, it was really cool opportunity to get together with a lot of former employees of Howie and in all the various iterations. You know, Howie was involved in a number of agencies here in town. First, it was Bernstein Rain Bosberg. So he was part of the the Bernstein Rain empire with Bob there and then formed the Bosberg Company, which was a longtime PR firm here in Kansas City. And then moving in time to the 80s, 90s, linked in with Valentine Radford and became Bosberg Valentine Radford and eventually ended as Bosberg Wheeler. So lots of different agencies and, and several of us got together. Stories were told, some of which were true, you know, that whole marketing adage. But the commonality was, every, and it was really interesting to be in that room because this was a guy who really touched a, a lot of lives and created career lessons that many of us continue to, to take to this day. And I've talked about him on the show before because, you know, Brent, we always talk about he, and I think conversation with Mike Swenson and a couple of others, he really espoused this theory that, you know, hey, young, young people, you don't have to go out to the coast, right? You can, you can stay here in Kansas City and really do meaningful work. Yep. And and really built his agency around that and worked for national clients. I mean, and and I, as we were flipping through some old you know client materials of stuff he had done, you know he worked for what was the hair care company Breck in in the the old Breck Hair Care in New York, and he had several clients like that. He and his agency throughout the years. So th- that's something that he he taught me. But there were lots of other kind of great Howieisms that were. Uh, one that I think you would appreciate, you know, I didn't talk about this beforehand, but it's a great one, is that several of the people were saying that, you know, when Howie would get a client, he, he would he would get, you know, everybody's all excited and happy about the new client. We're popping the champagne. His line was, the day that you get the client is also the first day that you start to lose the client, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it just sort of this healthy dose of, you know, if we don't continue to prove our worth to the client... That after all, it should be about the client. And if we ever forget that, now all of a sudden we're in that slippery slope and we end up losing the client. And so uh, that was one that I I'd had in my memory banks, but it had been a while. I've been out of agencies for a while, but I know you, you would appreciate that being an agency Certainly. guy. That, that, and so several people mentioned that as we were kind of going around the table with remembrances. But yeah, thanks for talking about Howie because it really did touch, a, you know, it's kind of the six degrees of separation, just about any any marketer of a certain age would know that name or had worked with Howie or been a client. And, and, and so, yeah, it was just great to be able to, to get together with some folks and honor him in a substantial way. And, you know, that's one of the great things about this community. We've got some, some people that work in our genre who, who we've all learned a lot from. And so it's nice to, to honor them when they unfortunately pass. So. 87 years old though. So a long life. Long life. Yeah. Long, fruitful life. And, and just by what I saw on social media from the time, the group that was pulled together to, to remember his life, it seems like he was an influence to a great deal, you know, a great many people, including a direct connection for the show because Kristen. Yes. That we had on the show. Yep. 
Kristen worked for Bosberg, Valentine Radford, and I think Bosberg Wheeler. She was in both of those iterations. And yeah. And actually, Mike Swenson worked at, at Bosberg for a short time early okay, in his so career. a couple different. Yeah. Before he moved on. So yeah. So uh, lots, again, six degrees of separation. It's uh, almost like an Andy Reid coaching tree here. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The Chiefs pretty, game day. I like that. Yeah, pretty successfully, yes, folks. Sorry. It's Chiefs game day, so we had to had to get that in. Any any final thoughts about the the conversation we have with had with Eric? I don't think so. I think it's just again, so glad we were able to get, you know, one of our target audience on with us to to talk about the ins and outs of of what it's like to be you know, younger in your career in, in, as, as a marketer. So I'm really, really excited that we could get him and anxious to have the listeners hear from him. Likewise, and what I will offer to listeners is that in addition to a lot of the networking lessons that we learn, if you're interested in the kind of sausage making of podcasting and media, Eric goes a little bit into that in our conversation as well. So it allowed me to step off my bully pulpit a little bit and allow Eric to share some wisdom. So with that, we'll not stand in your way and allow you to enjoy our conversation with Eric Hugh. Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen. And I'm Matt Tidwell. And we have an exciting guest today. Our guest, he's the host of another fellow podcaster. I love it, right? Fellow podcaster. He's the host of the Gen Y Leaders Podcast, which focuses on this somewhat misunderstood group of folks, generation millennial leaders. And we're going to figure out and learn from our guest around why they do what they do, what keeps them motivated, and how they succeed in an increasingly competitive marketplace. That's the the basis or the gist of the show. And he's also the owner of Vessel Media. Vessel guides publishers and media brands to new revenue streams through the creation and monetization of new digital products, vis-a-vis maybe podcasting included. So Eric Huey, hey, hey. so named, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Brent, Matt. Good to see you guys. Good to be with you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, of course. Great to see you as well, Eric. And and yeah, it's been a while since since we've seen each other, but I, that's a common refrain in, in, in these, <laughs> these days of of pandemic. But yeah, just somebody who Brent and I have talked about for a while getting on the show. We we just kind of love what what you're doing out in the in the marketing community. And and you know, I know that you've got a, a sweet spot, obviously, for folks of your generation. And so, as do I, as an educator, and and, yeah. uh, and I know Brent feels the same way. So. Really glad to, to get a chance to just have a kind of an informal chat with you. And maybe we can just start, as Brent said, with the podcast itself. Tell us a little bit about why you started the Gen Y Leaders podcast, kind of what the mission is and how it's gone so far. Yeah, for sure. So I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And so the podcast is really kind of my first entrepreneurial endeavor. I just decided to kind of start with my quote unquote domain experience and start with what I know and, and understood. And that was my education in college with broadcast media and, and public relations. So was very comfortable talking to people, holding conversation, interviewing people, and then editing audio and video footage. So that all directed me to a podcast. And then from there, I just really had to pick a topic and have always been really passionate about leadership and leading others, helping others, inspiring others. And so I've always thought there's kind of been a mislabeling, maybe misnomer of, of the millennial generation as far as, you know, 
being looked upon negatively, but I think it's just the fact that every generation is going to do stuff differently and have different technology and, and habits and ways of life, really. And so I really just kind of want to shed some light upon that. And then overarching with all that, there's this stat out there that 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every single day now through the end of 2030. So it's going to be a, a big kind of seismic shift in the market as far as available opportunities, manager level and above for millennials to kind of take the helm. And so that's really the reason why I want to start the podcast is just do an interview ace podcast with millennials who have, you know, quote unquote made it, who are in those types of manager level and above roles or who are entrepreneur and started their own business and kind of just, you know, learn their success stories and habits and and try to pass that along to other people who want to follow in their footsteps. And and really dovetailing off that one thing that stood out is that this, you know, the stat of ten thousand baby boomers retiring every day, it's there's this now phrase going around called the the great resignation, right? I'm sure you and, and the listeners out there have, have heard it referenced multiple times now, but really I think it was not so much a great resignation, but a great retirement. I think a lot of those baby boomers who fall into that category of retiring within the next 10 years, maybe were laid off or did go on furlough or something for a temporary time and somehow, you know, made it work. Maybe they had a spouse still working or, or what have you. And, you know, they just said, okay, well, rather than sticking it out three, five, 10 more years, I'm just going to retire now. So I think there's just been this gap of, you know, what was 50% baby boomers is now maybe only 25% baby boomers in the, in the, in the workforce. And so there's kind of this, this void of all younger generations having to step up and, and take these roles. So it's, it's really all kind of perfect timing. Yeah, man. And talk about hitting the jackpot with a relevant topic. You just you mentioned it, right? The great resignation, the great retirement, whatever it might be. And and I know I think you let's see, you started the podcast before the pandemic though, right? Or just pandemic, yeah. Uh-huh. right? Yeah. 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 It's been going slow and steady a couple episodes a month for the last couple of years now. Well, but hey, consistent, right? I mean, I know yeah. one of the things I look at with podcasters is is are they consistent over time and and are they really committed to it? And and boy, you, you really have that in, in spades. I just I, I just think that's that's terrific. And and I know that all of us who do podcasting, you know, it gives us this chance to have a deeper conversation than we could have, you know, and maybe in other kinds of, certainly in other media forms, which is one of the cool things about it. And and certainly Brent and I have now done, a, we've taken a little bit of a break, but we've done a, a number of episodes. And, and, and I know there are things that we can point back to that, you know, that, that we felt were sort of memorable moments or real epiphanies from shows that we've done. And, and I know we asked you to think a little bit about that. What, what, first of all, how many shows, if you can answer that, and then yeah, were there were there a couple of just pearls that that surfaced through some of those conversations that that you could tell us about? Sure. Yeah. So I'm just about ninety episodes. I'm trying to think in my wow. head when this will publish versus what what's out there. So give or take around ninety, probably by the right. time this airs. But yeah, I think there's there's tons and tons of stuff I've learned. Uh, too much to to digest in, in this conversation, but I think I could boil it down to five, you know, maybe general tips for anyone looking to start a podcast, and then maybe more so like. Generally speaking, five pearls of wisdom, if you want to call them that. Does that sound good? Sure. Awesome. So yeah, from a, a general tips standpoint, especially for those who are interested in podcasting, I think it's important to you know stay within the realm of, of why you start a podcast. I think that really boils down to two reasons. One being that it is going to be kind of your business. It's going to be the monetization vehicle. You're going to make money from it. You usually have to be more of a person of clout or status to make that happen. You know, a lot of celebrities and athletes are going out and starting podcasts and they get 50,000 downloads the, the first episode. So, you know, that, that status factor helps. The second would be using it as a marketing tool specifically to, you know, be a high end funnel brand awareness for 
you know, your product, your service, you know, whatever you do for a living to, again, generate awareness, build your personal brand, things like that. And if it falls outside of that, you get in kind of of a gray area. And and sadly, that's kind of where I'm getting with mine because it doesn't fit exactly what I'm doing. But nonetheless, it's been a, a great opportunity, great learning endeavor for for my first entrepreneurial endeavor. So that's kind of one of, of five tips. Two would be to to pick a niche. And then when you think you found a niche, pick a niche of that niche. I think so many times out there, we we go too broad and, and need to narrow down and, and really pick our, our thousand raving fans that will always support us. Three would be recording in advance just to make sure, you know, they're going to resonate with your audience. So, you know, whatever your concept is for a podcast idea, go record two, three, five episodes, run them by your audience and, and make sure they resonate with them. Four would be keep a backlog or a buffer. So that way, if you're trying to keep on schedule or keep a cadence of a weekly or monthly podcast, you're not always scrambling and stressed out trying to find a guest last minute that you can always have a, a cue to pull from. And then lastly, the fifth tip would just be batch your recordings. So, you know, maybe it is Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. or, you know, Wednesday afternoons at four, whatever your record date is, just try to set up two or three guests all in a row to where you don't have the pain points of setting up and taking down equipment, especially if you're recording in person or, you know, online, even like this, you know, it takes a, a good amount of time to, to set up and do sound checks and make sure everybody's all, all sounding good. So yeah, those are the five general tips. Is that, that helpful? Absolutely. And, you know, gosh, Brent, Brent teaches podcasting and, and I've done a bit of that as well. And yeah, those are, those are right down Broadway for the kinds of things that, that we tell students as well. And of course, you know, but boy, it's so what's been interesting, and I know we can all talk to this is that, you know, just competing, you know, competing priorities, right? And in, in your life and in your career. And that's why the consistency that you've had has just been super impressive. So uh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- thanks. For how, about, how about from your guests? How about from the show? Yeah. Per- Pearls of Wisdom. I think as the name would suggest, I kind of glossed over this, but the name of the podcast is, is Gen Y, kind of a double entendre spelled Gen W-H-Y. Just because I feel like millennials are a very purpose-driven generation, you know, they're not not going to be the types of people that I think to you know get into their first job and then sit you know sit there or be there for thirty, forty years and, and then get the gold watch at the end. I I just don't think that's that's in them. They want to explore more and experience more. And so, being as that's the name of the topic, I think it's or name of the show. It's important for people, regardless of your generation and age, to to really find their why and kind of operate from that, whether it is having time freedom or location freedom, you know, whatever it might be that, that really gets you out of bed, you know, in the morning. So one guest recently after 80 plus episodes put it really, really well, or just easy to digest because everyone always asks, well, how do you find your why? And that's, that's, you know, a convoluted question because I think it, it always changes for one, for one thing. But one guest had put it this way and said that just think about what you didn't have or what you were missing as a kid and then go try to fulfill that for others. And so I thought that was really cool and, and something I've been thinking about lately and, and mentioning to others and, and chances I get like this. So that's one. And then again, kind of going to the, the niches point, just the niches are in the riches. So many guests that I that I interviewed had you know, full domination of, of a market in a small, small sector that you, know, you think would not even have existed had you not heard about it. And so I think just picking your niche and owning that is, is really important. And then really just, you know, learning from mistakes and, and going out and doing, I think we're in an era of analysis by paralysis or paralysis by analysis that 
we have an advantage to have the world at our fingertips with the internet and so many resources nowadays, especially free resources. But at the same time, that can kind of handcuff us and prevent us from taking action and and doing anything to start with. So I think just getting out there and and making mistakes and learning by doing is really huge. Yeah. And I want to point out that one of the other, I was going back through kind of your library, just the diversity of guests that you've had. I mean, you've had people from literally seemingly every walk of professional life. And I know a lot of them, right, tend to be entrepreneurs just sort of in their background, but you've had people who've worked at I know my friend Becky Hadican was was a yeah, you know, yeah. years, and so people have been on the corporate side as well, right? So that diversity has been, I think, a, a real cool thing for you. For sure, yeah, definitely. And I guess kind of diving into that as far as you know, pulling more concrete takeaways from it, since we are marketers and, and media professionals, I thought it'd be good to kind of dive into that a little bit more. But one thing I've, I've come across lately is, and this kind of comes with the, the changing demographics of millennials taking the helm, is that. And Gardner put this out recently. Gardner does a lot of research and, and studies and whatnot, but it's a recent fact that they found is almost 50% of millennials prefer no buyer or no sales rep interaction. So 50% all media buyers, buyers in general, don't want to work with sales reps, like don't want any interaction. So you have to find a lot of ways to streamline your marketing sales and technology processes, a lot of automation I think we're seeing this already tons so in the B2C sector, especially if you think of things like Carvana, where you're not hassling with a car sales rep, you're not, you know, rocket mortgage with mortgage for your house, root for insurance. Like it's all these automated processes where you just, here's your number. That's it. If you want to do business with us, that's it. A lot of inbound marketing. Yeah, exactly. And so I think this is, you know, really dovetailing into the B2B sector as well. And so again, everything just needs to be super aligned and, I think one of the the major takeaways from the podcast is is how good of a sales development tool it has been because with this idea that buyers don't want to interact with sales reps, sales reps kind of have to be more like brand ambassadors and really give value rather than trying to take opportunity if if that makes sense. So like for me, I use the podcast to my advantage when I was in my media sales job and you know went to people and mentioned that I'm with my publications and selling ad space and whatnot. But then as a kind of point two, I'd say, oh, well, you know, I also run this podcast on the side. You seem like you'd be a great fit as a guest and would love to have you on it as you, you know, if you're interested. And, you know, nine times out of 10, the person would respond back like, hey, the podcast sounds cool. Like, tell me more about that. And we'd have, you know, a conversation or email thread going back and forth, you know, five, six messages about the podcast and getting them on that. And then, you know, maybe after we record or a couple months later, I follow up again and say, Hey, you know, also wanted to talk about, you know, my actual business and this other area I could help you. And, you know, it, it just builds this idea of, you know, no like and trust. And I think that's going to get more and more relevant as this idea of, you know, resistance to sales rep interaction from buyers or is, you know, grows and grows as, as younger demographics take the helm. So I just thought that was a, another key finding. And again, the, the podcast can be awesome development tool for your business in that regard, if you use it as a, as a give rather than a take. Yeah. You, you mentioned this a couple of times in sharing your tips of the podcast. And then even now with your insight tied to the no sales rep interaction, I think that starts to maybe put even more emphasis on this concept of personal branding. As oh, well, yeah. now you have folks that aren't traditional salespeople, probably that have an expectation that now they need to be doing things from a personal brand as a steward, or you use the term brand ambassador. Yeah, 
for the organization, right? So how important have you found it, whether it be through the podcasting, you know, in today's climate, one of the things you, you mentioned is the core strategy for Gen Y is this ever more competitive marketplace. How, how important have you found this concept of personal branding in today's climate? Uh, it's, it's, it's top tier. It's top notch. It's, it's the most important thing I, I think you can do, especially in the, the digital era that we're in and, and how noisy the digital space is. You got to be able to stand out. And so you need some type of personal brand asset, whether it's a blog or vlog or podcast to really demonstrate your expertise and, and then grow your network. I think there's a saying out there, it's a cheesy saying, but it's that your, your network is your net worth. And I don't mean to suggest that everybody should be money hungry, but I mentioned it because I, I've never gotten a job from a, just posting my resume or a job board. All my jobs have come from personal relationships, network relationships. So I think, yeah, building your personal brand is incredibly helpful with that. And it's yeah vital to get some type of content development out there in your domain or, or area of expertise. That's great. And obviously the, the podcast has played a role in you establishing your personal brand. You, you've counted all the ways and gone through a lot of the ways. <laughs> what, what else in your experiences maybe to contributed you've been looking at or emphasizing as part of reinforcing your personal brand? What part of the podcast is contributed to enforcing? Well, I know the podcast has contributed. What and you you've kind of spoken to that. What else yeah. are have you looked at as part of your personal brand? Yeah. As far as ways to develop it outside of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, really I think it comes down to a couple of things. One being this idea of the podcast or vlog, whatever, you know, personal content asset that you have. Two would be the more group approach, right? So like professional development organizations. Shameless plug for KCIBC. I think we, we've all benefited from that. So there's something to be said for getting around like-minded people in your industry, discussing pain points where the industry is going and, and building those personal relationships that you can call upon just like I do with with the podcast. And even they don't have to be larger groups like that too. I think they can be smaller groups as far as I would call them masterminds, but you know, a group of three, four or five people that you know are maybe non-competing industries, but you're all business leaders or entrepreneurs and you can kind of, you know, draw upon each other's knowledge when you don't really have anyone to turn to when you're at the top of your own organization and can't really relate or have anyone give input to, to what you're doing because no one else has the experience or, or institutional knowledge. And then lastly, just, you know, one-to-one coffees. I, I think that's, you know, one that will, will always be relevant and regardless of whatever industry you're in, but I think those will, will never go away. Yeah, in our case, it might have been a fried chicken sandwich as opposed to a cup of <laughs> right. coffee right there. Yeah, those, those work too. <laughs> whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Yeah, and I'm glad we're on this topic because I know one of the things that and you and I have known each other for a few years, Eric, but what I've, I've noticed about you is that you've been really intentional about professional development, right? Mm-hmm. So some of my younger professional friends are and some aren't, right? Yeah. And, and some feel like, well, I can dip into it if I have the time, if I maybe have some extra money. But, you know, I see you as a guy who's, who's been, again, very, I like that word intentional about, about it and, and just, you know, committing the time and the money and the, and the resource to, to make it happen. So it was cool to hear you say that, that you feel like that's really a, you know, a part of, of your brand. And by the way, I, I had to write this down because, you know, every few episodes we get a new term that I either haven't, haven't learned or I will keep using. And I love personal brand asset, right? Because we keep <laughs> thinking of, you know, I know I teach marketing, so we talk a lot about corporate organizational brand assets, but there mm-hmm. are actually personal brand assets 
that we should yeah. be paying attention to no matter where we are in our career. And so I, th th thanks for that contribution. That's, that's one to mark the tape on for sure. But what, just what would you say to maybe, maybe a colleague who's, who's in your generational space that's like, oh, gee, do I really need to go to that meeting? Do, do I really need to, you know, commit a, a couple hundred dollars or more for a, a membership to an organization? Am I going to see an ROI on that? You know, is it certainly people in, in all generations are, are, are interested in that ROI? What, what would you, how, how would you talk that person into it? <laughs> yeah, I, I would say you can't afford not to do it. I mean, regardless of time or and or money, as we started off the conversation, you know, going back to this idea, even if the pandemic had never happened and uh, this trend kind of continued on with 10,000 baby boomers retiring every single day, uh, there's going to be a lot of competition again for if you have, if people out there my age or younger have any aspirations to quote unquote, you know, climb the corporate ladder or, or go start their own business. There's more opportunity now than ever to do that because I, I do think there's a, a great amount of people retiring. And so that that void of generations in the marketplace, I think, is only going to get larger and larger in the in the years ahead if it isn't already. And so if you do have that, any type of you know aspirations or goals to to really do well and and always be constantly improving and, and challenging yourself, then I think professional development is is vital to that because of the personal relationships aspect that it provides, but also just because of the knowledge. Same reason books are good is the same reason professional development organizations are great is because you learn from people's mistakes and, and trials and tribulations and you get to compound that into less time and you know use that knowledge to your advantage. Yeah. I know we've had other guests who've talked about, you know, typically and also in in younger parts of their career, you know, what a great opportunity professional organizations, let's say, and I know you've been very involved with IABC and in board positions and things like that, but the opportunities that it gives you to kind of test your wheels from a leadership perspective, right? When maybe you're not getting that. And I, I know you've benefited, it sounds like you've benefited from that as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think if I had to think back to my why using that question of, you know, what, think about what you were missing as a kid and, and go do that. I think one of the things I was missing as a kid, was just element of being okay with the vulnerability. You know, I was always in these leadership positions and Stuco president and football captain, homecoming king, all those different things. So it was like, I just felt like I always had to be like perfect and always have the right answer. But I think I've seen so much more success from saying, I don't know, and asking for help and, you know, going about it that way. And those, those types of conversations can be just as rich as saying, I, I know everything and acting like I know everything. So I think just being vulnerable and, and hopping into positions, I, like, like you mentioned, Matt, I was, I think board chair for the, the young professionals group for, I think, a year and a half or two years. And, you know, we had some great events and we had some not so successful events where a lot of people didn't show up. And I think that that takes a lot of vulnerability to go through those things when they don't go well, but then also just, you know, welcome in new people to a group and be all right with not having all the answers and just trying to be welcoming and, and provide value to people when you can. Yeah, Eric, one of the things you mentioned when you were talking about professional networking and the component of that, whether it be leader, your own personal leadership development, right? But was also the relationships that you can develop mm -hmm. within those, within those organizations. And one of the things that Matt and I are going to be exploring here in, you know, this episode and the conversation with you and future episodes is a really critical relationship that you can develop in your life and career journey. It's the one around mentorship that mm -hmm. I personally believe a lot of people really struggle with either how to, you know, obtain 
a mentor develop those relationships. I know personally, speaking of vulnerability, I've I've messed several of those relationships up in my past experience. So I'm I'm glad <laughs> we're kind of exploring this topic. How have maybe mentors shaped your career life journey to to date? And and you know, as you're kind of reflecting on that, one of the things I know we'll want to chat with you about is, you know, how'd you go about identifying those individuals and, and establish that, maybe establish that relationship? Yeah, I think just taking notice and, and kind of being aware to my surroundings and, and being self-aware more so is, has really helped me identify those people and, and capitalize on those types of relationships. So I think self-awareness is key for anyone out there listening to find mentors because it's, you know, whether you're in a personal setting or professional setting at work or, you know, at a professional development type group, you know, meeting event, what have you, I think just being aware, like, Hey, you know, I, I enjoy talking to that person. I, I was curious about, you know, when they said X, Y, Z, and just kind of taking inventory or taking notice of, of the people around you that for whatever reasons you, you know, you gravitate towards and, and maybe vice versa that, you know, they have interest in you and there's a, you know, mutual interest to meet up, meet up for coffee or that you have some type of common ground, I think is, is really important. I mean, that's, that's probably a elementary or, or moot point, but I think that's, that's really key. And that's kind of the, the filter I've used in, in my careers. My first one was previous consultant in, in one of my first jobs that then turned into my boss because I went and joined up with him in his business. And later on, it's been people through IBC and just meeting up with them and giving their advice through you know, what my career trajectory looks like and how can I best get there because they've done the same thing and starting businesses and, and all that. So again, just taking notice and, and being aware, I think is, is really key. And how formal was your outreach maybe in those experiences? So taking inventory probably helped with the identification, but I, I know the big barrier a lot of times is like, Oh, I, I, I think I would want to get to know that person better. I have a bajillion questions I want to ask of that individual. Now, how do you go about approaching that? Yeah. I, uh, now you have a bit of a cheat code because you have the podcast, which is <laughs> like, Hey, future potential mentor. I'd love to have you on my show or, you know, exactly. Yeah. You start a podcast. Not everybody will start a podcast, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah. W- without the podcast, I think just finding a way to p- provide value and, and not always thinking through a, a lens of, you know, what can I get out of this, but more so in an element of, Hey, what can I provide? I think opens so many more doors for everyone, again, regardless of, of age. So going into a relationship, thinking about what you can give to that person or like who you can connect them with, I think starts off the relationship really well. And then from there, I think it's just like dating or marriage is that, you know, you want to date before you get married. So I think having plenty, you know, dozens of conversations or meetings before you really like officially label anything with a mentor-mentee relationship. And I've never even really labeled mine that it we just have a you know mutually beneficial relationship this at this point they're older than me and i think they they are aware of it and would call it that but you know we never really term it that but it is you know definitely a mutual beneficial relationship and again giving that value up front and getting to know the person in depth before you get into the weeds on anything is is really important i think and you know one of the great things about i've always thought about and i know a lot of our listeners are in the Kansas City area but so I'll just speak for a second about this community is that people are approachable, right? I mean, this is, you know, I, I work for companies on the East coast. I know Brent, you've been around the, the country as well, and you don't always find that. So it's sort of 
nice that you can be maybe a younger professional and feel comfortable approaching somebody as opposed to you know the ivory towers of some of the other community marketing communities around the world. So you've got, I guess we have that advantage too. Would you would you agree there, Eric? Or? Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. I think there's there's something about the the Midwest values that are apparent and visible in Kansas City that I think people are willing to help each other out for sure. And I like the way you spoke to that uh, is the notion of a mutually beneficial relationship. Is the assumption shouldn't always be that the perceived older individual in the relationship always knows everything going into the relationship and they generally would value that that experience and the learnings that come from you know changes in just generation changes in technology just all sorts of changes in vocabulary as matt even spoke <laughs> to earlier he's got a new moniker of per, what was that personal personal brand, brand asset. asset you got it <laughs> so we're living, we're living the mutually beneficial triumvirate right here. So this is, that's great. Exactly. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to mention that we, we've really enjoyed this conversation? Is there anything else you'd like to mention that we may have missed? No, I don't think so. You guys asked some, some really great questions. I think they're all really relevant to the era that we're living in today. And it's, it's always great to connect with you guys. You got a great podcast going and yeah, I can't wait to see who you continue to interview in the future. Okay. We've enjoyed it. Any Anything cool on the vessel front you want to speak to? Um, yeah, actually. So I just, as of the last couple of months, kind of transitioned my business into a local business called Leverage Lab here locally. They are a first-party data solutions company or agency strictly within the media and advertising space. They just got listed as the number 25 on the Fast 50 from the Kansas City Business Journal for this year. So yeah, good good company to be on board with. Anne Marie Wills is their CEO and met her very early on to starting my business and realized that uh, we had similar goals and aspirations. And so, you know, rather than you know putting my ambitions uh, in a in a headlock, I I figured just you know leapfrog a few years and, and join up with them. <laughs> congratulations. Well, congratulations, yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, what a it's, cool it's, space too. My gosh. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I really understand it very well, but what a cool space. <laughs> yeah, there's that could be a whole nother hour long yeah, right, conversation yeah. is the, the changing demographics of online advertising with data privacy and regulations and Google Chrome doing away with third party cookies and, and all that. That very well could be a future conversation. Matter of fact, <laughs> right before we hopped on, I, I was searching for why is Twitter constantly logging me out of my iOS device when you have six or seven accounts? And you're being logged out of all of them for no reason and defined it's because it's results of the iOS privacy updates. And I went, that's fun. <laughs> yep. A lot of changing technology and yeah, privacy regulations, all, all the a perfect storm makes it perfect time to be in, in media and advertising. Yeah, we can put them in a headlock. <laughs> for sure. Sure. I, I think Congress is doing that to them right now. That's right. what's happening. Yep. So. Well, Eric, we truly in, enjoyed speaking with you and you sharing, you know, your insights on personal brand, the work you've been doing on the podcast and the the really fascinating statistics and perspective of, of the pandemic and how that shaped the workforce and basically the millennial generation and leadership moving forward. So we've had a great time chatting with you about that. Hey, thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed chatting with you guys as well. Thanks so much. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us 
rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with cultivated marketing.